The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is my home base. As you know, if you've been tuning in, this show is all about the world of work and how we can more meaningfully connect to it. Along with showcasing guests who are purposely connected to the work they do and hearing about their specific field, I also like to bring on guests who have an interesting experience or perspective to share about the world of work that I think would be useful to you. So with us this week is Chris Dyer, who is the CEO of People G2, an award-winning background check company. He is also a speaker and a consultant and hosts his own weekly radio show called Talent Talk Radio. We'll be talking today about many of the topics he speaks and consults on, but I was also interested in having him on the show because he's a very successful entrepreneur and a businessman, and I thought we might be able to learn a few things that he's heard from his own speaking and consulting roles and those conversations with the CEOs across the country he's had on his own show. Chris joins us today from Orange County, California. Chris, welcome to the Working and Purpose Show. Hi, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. I have so many questions to ask you. They're going to be all over the place, but I just wanted to get as much out of you as I could in the time we have together. So um, to start, Chris, i got to say you are one of the busiest people on the planet that I know. I absolutely loved how you shared your introduction with me on LinkedIn when we first got connected, which is how we came together. Thank you, LinkedIn. I couldn't believe all the things yeah. you were up to. <laughs> just to get us started, would you kind of say, give us your usual introduction, how you normally talk about who is Chris Dyer? Well, you know, I think it can be a little overwhelming or, uh, you know, a little much sometimes if I try to tell everyone all the things that I'm doing. So usually if I meet someone, I try to scale it down to what, how it relates to, you know, them. So if I'm talking to someone in HR, I might talk about the things I do there. Um, but there's so many things that I'm kind of always running around doing. I I decided one day that my ADD was not a problem. It was just something I needed to embrace. So I just do a lot of things and have fun doing it. Oh, my gosh. Do you know how much I love that, Chris? You know because of our conversations that I'm a meaning and work researcher who also cares about work in relation to identity. The fact that you just know your ADD and you just go with it, you lean into it and make it work for you, I think is brilliant. Yeah, and, and the other part of that is then finding, for anyone else who kind of maybe you know, connected with that statement is finding other people or other resources to help you in the things that you're really bad at. So I I know there are things that I'm never going to be good at that I I need my, an assistant to help me with, or I need someone else in my company to handle. And that's what allows me to do all the the things that I want to do and enjoy doing is make sure someone else is handling all the things that I'm just never going to get to, or I'm just not motivated to do, or I'm not very good at doing. Mm-hmm. Yes, by definition, working to your strengths. You know, I'm embarrassed to say that I should have picked up that you were ADD just based on the, the description you sent of your introduction <laughs> via, via LinkedIn, but I didn't. Um, but now it makes a lot more sense. Uh, well, to get us started here, one of the things I wanted to kick us off with is in our initial conversation, we were talking about you coming on the show. You mentioned Jim Lehrer's book called The Power of Story. Uh, I guess the subtitle is, I got in front of me right here, it says, Change Your Story, Change Your Destiny in Business and in Life. Now, of course, since you brought that up, I did pick up the book, I read it over, and I certainly agree with the whole premise that the stories we tell ourselves represent the ideation of our reality, and we can rewrite those stories to better service. But what was it about that book that you that you thought of in relation to this conversation? What made you think of it? 
Well, I think, you know, the simple answer is it's this was the book that I was reading probably at the time that you and I spoke. But, <laughs> okay. um, you know, to go deeper into that, you know, uh, what really struck me about the book that I really enjoy, because the book itself has a lot of similar themes that you might, you know, feel or, or read in other books that are of a similar nature. But, um, you know, the thing that kind of hit me is I realized with as busy as I am and the things that I do, there is a story that I have been telling myself that's not very good. And that is I, you know, I can start doing my exercise. I can hit that part of my life um, next, next week or next month or next year. And so, you know, that's something I'm actively trying to figure out how am I going to hack my, my routine here so that I can be exercising on a more consistent and regular basis. Cause it's really the thing that, one of the big things the book talks about in what do most high performers or people that are generally happy with their lives and their careers, that they are exercising on a regular basis. Um, and it gets into all the science and why that is and how it, re- how it relates to that. And certainly know from a lot of the great leaders that you can think of, the great business leaders, you, people ask them what is the number one thing someone can do to be better at their job. They usually always say exercise. You know, adding some sort of plan into their uh, workday. So uh, it's really something that I'm looking at. It struck a chord with me. And it also struck a chord on how to help people that I'm managing or mentoring. It's a really easy way to articulate to someone that they're on the wrong path. And instead of telling them how they're wrong, what they're doing, it start talking about, hey, what's the story you're telling yourself about this thing, about how you interact with people or how you interact with customers or whatever it is you're having a problem with with that person. What's the story there? And it's a really kind of uh, engaging way to talk to someone about an issue you might be having with their performance or how they're approaching something. Mm-hmm. You know what I think is gorgeous about that, Chris, that I really appreciate and applaud is that you've well, one of the things that I teach in my workshops, obviously, around leadership and communication is the importance and the power of of asking really good, open-ended, powerful questions to people instead of telling them what you think that they need to hear because it's more it's more provocative and it's it, it increases ownership, all those sorts of things, and it usually increases insight. I think it's brilliant that you even ask that question. What what stories are you are you telling yourself? Um, it is that's a very interesting idea. I don't know if if that is. Inc- intentional that you're purposely positing questions versus statements are you yeah um there's another great book called uh start with no by jim camp that i love uh love so much that we did some work with him and his son and consulting standpoint with our company and he talks a lot about open-ended questions and how effective those can be and then you know how to use closed-ended questions to your advantage as well i mean there's the right time for closed-ended questions as well but you know, it, it gets into the details and nailing people, not nailing people down is the wrong, it, and just identifying what is specifically correct and what is not correct. But I love open-ended questions. It's also, if anyone's ever told you that you're not a good listener, it's a great way to start being a good listener. It's just you're probably not asking very good questions. You're, you ask someone an open-ended question, you have to give them the opportunity to answer, and it will help you mm-hmm. listen a bit more. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. Well, one of the other things that, that I know you talk about, and I've been very much interested to hear more about this, it's in your bio, it's in various places, I think, on your website, but I know that one of the topics that you talk about, you call the cultured CEO, and you say the right culture starts at the top. And, of course, I know from my own career that working with various organizations across the nation that culture can really impact how employees register meaning in their work. And I, of course, agree it starts at the top. But tell us more about your perspective on this and the work that you do relative to culture. Well, culture is something that I love talking about. Um, we went through a transformation in my own company, and during that time, I had to discover some things, change some things, and I did a whole lot of research and reading around that topic uh, because I wanted to reinvent my company's culture, and I wanted to get it right the first time. And there were some things that I hold as universal truth that I discovered that it didn't matter what company I looked at, if it was a small, successful company two blocks away from me or it was a major conglomerate that's kicking everyone's butt 
you know, out in the marketplace, they seem to have these same tenets that, you know, they may have other things, but there were some core things that they always had that I made, wanted to make sure we had in our company. And when we got done with it and, and, and people started to notice more about our company and I started telling people about the things we were doing, it then resulted in people asking me to come in and consult, to come in and coach, to come in and talk and speak and, and, and share that message. And not something that I would have ever imagined I would be doing or talking about, um, but it just, you know, kind of one of those things you land into and, and I enjoy it so much that we've kept it going. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some examples, Chris? What kinds of things did you think were compelling about cultures that you were seeing that you wanted to make sure unfold into your own company? Yeah, so there are a, a few, and I'll, I'll tell you which ones, they, what they are, and if any one particular stands out for you, let me know and I can go deeper. Um, otherwise, I could give you the whole presentation, but that's an hour and a half. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so here, here are the things that I think make up a great culture. Uh, that I see. Uh, first of all, they have a high level of transparency. Um, second is they are a positive. You know, they, they deal with positivity that runs through their company. Uh, they know they measure things. So there's a high amount of measurement with that in the company. So, you know, how, how, was this accomplished? Is, they measure people's jobs. They measure performance. They measure their goals. I mean, things are measured. So it's Black, fairly black and white whether or not you got where you, you did what you were supposed to do. They have found a way to identify their own uniqueness. Um, so you may not have be, be selling something very unique, but your company can be unique or the way you sell it can be unique, and you need to celebrate that and, and shout it out to the rooftops to people. Um, the next is they need to have a way in which they deal with recognition, and it, it really is a certain kind of recognition. It's not the hey, if you do more, I'll pay you more, or, you know, that it doesn't really work. But it does work if you, if you have peer-to-peer recognition, things like that. Uh, great cultures are great listeners. Uh, one of my favorite sayings is you have two ears and one mouth, so you should be doing twice as much listening as you do talking. Uh, and the last one is co- great cultures know how to deal with mistakes, and they celebrate them, they talk about them, they document them, and they and they learn from them as opposed to punish, ridicule, hide, and and uh, you know make it a negative thing. Um, so those are kind of the big tenets that we see that great cultures have. Okay, thank you for that list, Chris. That's that's very interesting, and I love how, how crisp it was. I do want to I do want to drill down on just a few because they are a couple of them are very curious to me. First, transparency. I have an idea what you mean by that, but tell us a little bit more about transparency. How how do you see transparency manifesting in good cultures? Yeah, so transparency really can be pushed to any extent you can think of. Now, Jack Stack wrote a great book called, uh, I think it was The Great Game of Business, and he in there talks about his company, and they went to the level of making sure that their financial statements were available to all employees. They even went as far as having seminars to teach people how to read financial statements um, so that people knew what, how their jobs directly impacted the bottom line for the company. You know, you ask people not to waste money. You ask people to make a, help you make a profit. You ask them to do all these things. If they don't understand how what they're doing on a day-to-day basis impacts the company, it's pretty hard to ask them to really care or to, to, to do their best because they just don't know what they don't know. And you know, the other parts of that transparency are, what are our goals? I mean, if, if, what is our mission statement? What, what are we all about? What is our purpose? Why do we do what we do? How does our products and services work? If you're not communicating that, you know, people spend all this time and effort to make sure their salespeople know that, but if the customer service doesn't know that. If the IT people don't know that, I mean, go down to there are jobs inside companies that people think, well, why does that person need to know all of these different things? Well, it makes a difference. And so if you're highly communicating to your staff, you make sure they understand what everybody does, what everyone's goals are, how how it all connects internally, Um People start to think about the company in a different way. 
and they understand what their role is to a much higher degree, their engagement is higher, and they start to become leaders when maybe they wouldn't have in the past. Because mm-hmm. now they feel comfortable raising their hand and saying, I think this is what we should do, or I think we're going in the wrong direction, or I think I have a, you know this fantastic idea for marketing, even though I'm not in marketing, because I understand where we're going, what we're doing, what our purpose is. And the the great companies, the great cultures have this because everyone knows what's going on. And and don't get me wrong, this is hard to do. This is not an easy thing to accomplish. It takes a mountain of communication. It takes a lot of getting people together and talking about things. And and people sometimes can be, well, you know, I I don't need to know. I just want to do my job. And sometimes you've got to pull a little bit more than, than you want, but... Uh, it, it has a, a, a just a cascading, fundamentally uh, positive impact on the company. Mm. Well, thank you for that, Chris. I, I didn't expect you to go quite that direction. I'm so glad I asked because I thought you were going to talk about authenticity as well, but you went way beyond that, and so that was helpful. And I, I do want to hear more about um, the, the culture piece, especially the mistakes, though it's already time for our first break, if you can believe it. <laughs> I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Chris Dyer, who is the CEO of a background jump check company called People G2 in Orange County, California. He's also the host of a radio show called Talent Talk Radio. We've been talking about some of his favorite reads and also his perspective on the importance of culture in organizations. After the break, we'll hear more about culture and why it's important. Stay with us. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. We're here with Chris Dyer, who is the CEO of a company called People G2. That's an award-winning background check company located in Orange County, California. Chris is also a speaker and a consultant and hosts his own weekly radio show called Talent Talk Radio. He joins us today from Orange County, California. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. I want to pick up where we left off there, Chris. You were talking about some important elements in culture that you've discovered that have been trying to inculcate into your own company. We talked about transparency before the break. I really wanted to hear a bit more about the last one you mentioned, which is about this notion of being open about making mistakes or even maybe encouraging mistakes. Would you say more about that one? Sure. So, um, you know, again, in looking at what great cultures were doing, we found that they had some really clever and unique ways to deal with mistakes. And one of my favorite quotes uh, is from Bruce Lee, of all people, and he said, you know, mistakes are always forgivable if one has the courage to admit them. And that's a really interesting statement when you think about it from a company perspective, because 
what ends up happening is people are generally very afraid to either make a mistake or they're very afraid uh, to to let someone know they've made that mistake or even for it to be out there. They don't want to be perceived as as dumb or as uh, incompetent. And yet we all know that everyone makes mistakes all day long. I've made like three already today. I probably made more than that. I just haven't realized them. I mean, we all do it all day long. And, 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 and from just from a clarification standpoint, a mistake is different than if I have a company car and I keep crashing it, right? Or... <laughs> Uh, if I'm a coder and I keep programming things wrong or, you know, I, or I, geez, every month I forget to process payroll and people aren't getting paid. Okay, that's different. That's an error, right? There's some carelessness there. But we have these mistakes or things that we've done where we were trying to do the right thing. We were trying to find a better way to make something happen. Uh, but we just messed up, right? Oops. It was no big deal. And if we laugh about it, we talk about it, we let people know about it, we share it. We help others learn from our mistakes. We help them feel more comfortable in admitting their own mistakes. And we allow for this sort of uh, perspective internally that, you know, people don't have to be perfect in order to be good employees. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's certainly there's a million examples of people who have made mistakes and that turned out to be a, a, a good thing. Um, you know, it's a classic example of how penicillin was, was invented, so there's a mistake. So yeah, there's those things. But if companies want to do a better job of making um, mistakes a part of their process, this is one of the few times that I'm okay with having some sort of a monetary type thing because this is a really hard one to overcome. But uh, my men- one of my mentors at a great company called Decision Toolbox, uh, Kim Shepard is the CEO yeah, over there. Yeah, I know the company, yeah. yep. Yeah, so she does a thing called uh, the Boo Boo Award. And once a week, you know, everyone throws in a hat all of their mistakes. They sort of send in, hey, this is the dumb thing I did. This is, I think this is my, my best Boo Boo of the week. And on the conference call, they pick who had the best Boo Boo, and they send that person a $25 gift card. So they've documented the Boo Boos, the mistakes. She can now see, am I having people who are consistently making some of these mistakes on a regular basis where I can implement something to change that, training a new system, a software, an overview, right? Because she's got, you know, 150 recruiters or some crazy number like that. She can start get patterns and, and, and see what's happening internally by getting people to voluntarily tell them, tell her how they screwed up that week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, it, and it really allows a lot of sharing. So if you make it a part of the learning process, uh, you make sure that it's encouraged and expected that people should share this. This is, one again, another one of the few times I think um, it really has to be top-down, meaning the, the, the management, the CEO, they've got to start this process off and show everyone it's a safe environment. Uh, with most other things, I always say it needs to be bottom-up, but... From here, you've got to lead by example and start showing people. Uh, we've got a hip chat program. It's like an IM program, and we have a room called Oops, I Did It Again. And that's where we go in and we admit our mistakes openly and freely, and we discuss them and sometimes tease each other about them or whatever. But, you know, it's a safe environment. And, you know, today my VP of sales tried to start our 1030 call at 10, and we all weren't ready. It was a silly thing. So he went in and said, you know, oops, I, you know, had it in my brain. It was 10 o'clock, but I was 1030. You know, I tried to start the call early. And it was just, you know, no, not a big deal. But we're just kind of sharing these little silly things that we all do as human beings out there. Now, there is another component to mistakes that are important. And that is you need to fail fast. So... Uh, I do give this other little example, but, uh, you know, companies need to realize when they've made a mistake in in execution, in uh, a project, maybe they decided they're going to go after this particular niche market. You see things are not working and you realize this is a mistake. This is the other part of it, too, from a strategy standpoint. you got to pivot quickly, fail fast, dump it, and get on to something new instead of, trying to, you know, make something happen and 
and, and stick with something that everyone knows isn't working. Um, that's another really kind of key part to that mistake. Okay, awesome. Um, you kind of did that before I even even queued it up. I did have a question I wanted to ask you about kind of some of the things that companies are doing to change or improve culture. And I think you certainly gave that in the in the in the decision toolbox example. Um, but any other thoughts relative to maybe some of the kinds of things that companies are doing to change or improve their culture? Well, you know, uh, we're we're not seeing enough of it. There are, I think, the companies that are actively doing things to change their culture. Are, are actively working on it, you are seeing them uh, in the news. You are seeing them in the marketplace. You know who they are. I can't tell you how many times I talk to people and they, I ask them how their culture is or I ask them to describe it, and they think everything is fine. They think it's all great and that everyone understands what's happening because they do. They're the CEO or they're the head of HR, and they think that they know what it is but they don't. And so one of the best ways that companies can start to, to get a pulse on this, start asking your employees one question a week. Do a one-question survey and start asking them these questions. How are we doing? You know, how's engagement? Uh, how satisfied are you with your job? How satisfied are you with the company? How well do you think we communicate? I mean, just start asking these very simple questions You'll get almost complete, you, you know, you should get near 100% return rate when you're asking one question on a survey. You know, people tend to do it once a year and they ask 100 questions and wonder why nobody wants to fill those things out. You know, <laughs> right. You know, if you ask one question a week, you'd have 52 questions answered from probably almost 100% of your employees. So it, it, it's a great way to do that. But I would say 99% of companies have a uh, completely uh, off-base perspective of how their culture really is. And if they're not sure, if they're having a hard time keeping people, if they have high turnover, um, if you're not growing the way you want to go, if you have employees that aren't actively referring their friends and family to work for your company, um, all of those things, if those aren't happening, you know, you're, oh, you have rotten reviews on Glassdoor, uh, you know, guess what? You don't have very good culture, no matter what you think. That's so awesome for you to point that stuff out, Chris. I completely agree with you. And I just, I think culture was so important, which is why I wanted to have it early on in the conversation. So thank you for all that great stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I want to move on to one of your other speaking topics that I was very intrigued with as well. I guess I think it's very clever the way you positioned it. Uh, you call it OMG for your EMG. So what do you mean by this phrase, and why is it important to employees and maybe the organizations they work in? Well, I mean, this is just, uh, you know, so the OMG is however you want to take that, you know, the oh, my God, or oh, my gosh, or whatever. Um, but the EMG is um, engagement, motivation, and growth. So this is a spin on some of the things that we're talking about in the culture presentation, but dives in a little bit deeper into the motivation of what great cultures really deal with. Now, I talk about this on one or two slides in the culture presentation, but for this new one you're talking about, we go in much, much deeper. We talk about some of the really important aspects of how a person's job should really be formulated. And, and what I mean by that, if you've, if you've ever read Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. Sure have, um, you bet. You know, that's a great one. Uh, but if you look at even, even going deeper, there's a really clever video that uh, if you type in on YouTube, RSA, and you type in uh, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Mm. You will get one of the most fantastic videos. Or if you want to go to peopleg2.com, click on the careers tab. The video is there on our careers page. I absolutely love it because it, there are these three concepts. And the first one uh, people really have a hard time with is from a typical perspective on, on jobs. But if you, if you are uh, allowed to have autonomy to do your job, you are far more likely to be happy with it, to be engaged, and to do your best job. Now, that doesn't mean you have freedom to do whatever you want whenever you want, but 
within the constraints of your job. So if we, we put a box around you or a circle around you and say, this is your world you can live in, now go get it done. And if you have to leave the, those, those borders that we've marked for you, then ask for help or check with your someone or what have you. People are happy. Um, my company is extremely um, ma- macro-managed that way. So I hate micromanagement. I know I hate being micromanaged, so I don't do it to my staff. So we try to create that perspective for them to say, listen, here's everything you're in charge of. Here's all the training we can give you in the world. Now you go and do it. You need help? We're here. You need advice? We're here. You're not sure? We're here. But otherwise, I'm not going to come back and ask you to show me what you did, and I'm not going to nitpick the way in which you did it, as long as the way you, which you chose to do it makes sense and you know falls in line with the training and everything. So giving people autonomy is huge. The, the other one, mastery, is that people need to be working on getting better at something all, every day. It is a scientifically proven fact that uh, from an engagement standpoint, if their brains are working on getting better at something, they are happier and they are more fulfilled with what they're doing. The challenge for companies is that may not always be possible for the job in which you're giving them. And so you may have to, as a company, work on giving them outlets and opportunities to have mastery somewhere else. So there's an exa- I've seen examples like... Um, Let's say you have someone who's working on, a, on a, fa- a factory line, and their job is to pick up something and then put something inside of it and then put it back down on the assembly line. I, I mean, after about 10 minutes, they've probably hit mastery, right? So it's a fairly boring job, and if the robot hasn't replaced them yet, if you want to get more out of them, you're going to have to encourage mastery in their life somewhere else. Maybe mm-hmm. they want to take up, take up guitar lessons. Maybe they want to, you know, dive into something. You know, they have to... Somewhere in their life, they have to have mastery. But for most people, they can get that in their jobs. So being cross-trained, being sent to trainings and, and having to, to learn new things and to be challenged, that's just you know, to constantly be learning. It totally makes sense for most CEOs, and it always makes sense to HR people. It doesn't always come natural for everybody else, and it really needs to be a part of that. Um, I know I've been talking forever here, but the last one is purpose, and that's really a, a HR and, and uh, CEO, the owner of the company, really needs to get this dialed in. But everyone needs to understand why they're doing what they're doing. What's the purpose of the company? And the purpose is not to make money. That is a necessary um, occurrence, an outcome. But that's not why we're in business. It's just to make money. We have to have that purpose really, really figured out and so that everyone else can rally around it and understand it and live by it or opt out if it's not for them. And if you have those three things, you have an incredibly engaged, motivated company that will grow sustainably um, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Beautiful rendition, Chris. And of course, I do certainly agree with all of that. It so resonates with the work I've been doing around meaning and work in relation to identity and obviously the work that I do with workshops. So I totally get that. But I appreciate the way that you you explained it and also that you have sent us to a place where we can actually see that video you were talking about there on the on the careers tab of your of your own company website. I think that's fantastic. Um, I think it will be nice for those of us that are listening to the show later on to be able to go back afterwards and actually hear more about that. So I think what you've been saying here in relation to what you've learned around um, motivation and growth and performance and engagement, all these things that, of course, are music to my ears, will be a nice way for people to follow up later on. So great stuff. Um, believe it or not, guess where we are next? Our next break. That's exactly it. Poof, it just went like that. So it is time for our, our, our next break here. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Chris Steyer, who is the CEO of a background check company called People G2. He's also the host of a radio show called Talent Talk Radio. We've been talking about the importance of, of engagement, motivation, and performance, and purpose, all those kind of good things. After the break, I want to hear him say more about what he's learned by interviewing various CEOs from across the nation on his radio show. Stay with us. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. 
Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're here with Chris Dyer, who is the CEO of People G2, an award-winning background check company. He is also a speaker and consultant and hosts his own weekly radio show called Talent Talk Radio. He joins us from Orange County, California today. We've been talking a lot about engagement, motivation, performance, purpose, all those good things that I love to talk about and hope you do too. The next thing I want to talk about here, Chris, and you mentioned this in in your bio and in the conversation we had when we first connected, um, and it resonates because I began my human capital career in recruiting. So I get this notion of right talent at the right time with the right approach. But say more about that phrase. What do you mean by that? And how do you talk about that in in your consulting or the work that you do? Well, I mean, the right talent comes down to really identifying what you really need and verifying that the people are who they say they are. So that gets into the core, you know, concept of what my company does in the background checks. That so very often people will not be the right person, not the right fit, don't have the right background, or they have, you know, embellished some things because they're really eager to get the job and they're not qualified or Maybe they're going to put your company at risk because of the choices they've made in their past. So, you know, finding the right talent is really important. Um, knowing when the right time is to have those people come in, that's tough. And usually companies are very behind. They tend to hire. Uh, they realize they have a need, and then they start to look to hire. And now it's three to six months before they've got someone in, and now they need a th- two, three, four months to get going. And so, you know, we always try to plan our hiring based on our pipeline. And we typically, you know, we'll see how successful we'll be. But I, I usually will bring in new customer service people three months before we need them, and we'll bring in new verification staff three months in before we need them if we, you know, if we can find the right people um, and sometimes be overstaffed so that when that wave hits, you're able to deliver to your clients in a way that, you know, they, they feel like everything is great and everything is moving forward and, and no hiccups. But, um, which is a little bit different. Most most of our clients, it feels like their hair is on fire all the time when they're trying to hire. Um, and the other, you know, interesting co- component of that is, uh, you know, when I, uh, we're still, I don't know if I'll be able to keep this up, but I've been able to still be able to have an interview with every person that we've ever brought on board. So I like to have at least one conversation with them. Um, and one of those, things that I talk to them about is to really make sure this is really what they want to do, to, that, that they have really thought about the company, that really thought about the job, and that because I only want people who, who like it. And I also tell them if you get in there and you realize this is not for you, then, then get out. It's okay. If you have mm-hmm. your first day, your first week, and you decide this is not what I thought it was going to be, then go. You yeah, know, do us all a favor. Out. Sure. You bet. Right. No hard, no hard feelings. We'll, 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 you know, we're, we're, we're sad that we wasted a little bit of time there, but you know, we'll, we'll pay your time and go on your way, and we'll, we'll give you a nice reference when somebody asks. But 
you know, um, and I recently had someone that after two days, they decided it wasn't going to fit work for them. And, you know, that's fine. I think because we gave them permission to tell us no, we, we let them know it's okay if this is not what you thought you were signing up for. That's what, you know, so we, instead we, we try to like get in there and tell people how great things are and how wonderful, but, but we don't really ever stop to ask them. So are you, are you feeling this? I mean, can, can you imagine if you, you never if you started dating someone and you never stopped to have the conversation? Like, so are we, you know, on the same page here? I like you. Do you like me? I mean, it seems kind of natural when in a personal relationship, yet with employees to kind of just say, well, I'm here. We're paying you a check, so keep showing up. Be happy. And that's not really reality. Mm-hmm. I love that that you give permission right out of the gate. I think that's very refreshing, and I, I hope that, that our listeners really capture that because I think that's a really great point, Chris. So thanks much for bringing that up. I think it's great. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your radio show next, shall we? You know that I have to you, I have to talk about your radio show because it's intriguing for me as a fellow host. But you've been hosting Talent Talk Radio for a couple years now, it looks like. So I'd love to know, how did you begin hosting the show and why? What are you trying to accomplish with the show? Well, I was on somebody else's show and uh, in the same studio in Orange County, and the gentleman who runs the, st- the radio station said, hey, you know, stuff you were talking about was really interesting. Would you ever want to have your own radio show? And I, I kind of laughed it off. I mean, I took his card, and I thought, you know, I'm not a radio show person. You know, you know. Uh, but I went back and happened to mention it to my staff, and they immediately said, no, 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 no. you have to do this. And it was kind of one of those moments where you think no, but everyone else thinks yes, and you take a step back and say, well, what, what am I missing here? You know, so I started asking those open-ended questions like you were talking about to get them to tell me what I was missing. And what, what came out of it was that, you know, I tend to go to, to conferences and, and shows and different things, and I'm immediately attracted to the person who I've identified as the smartest person in the room or the person who has the most to teach me or to show me or is experienced or what have you. And, and I will, you know, try to corner them in a polite way and ask them as many questions as I can get away with asking before they want to run off and, you know, get away from me because I want to learn and I want to, you know, know what I, know what I don't know yet. And so I would take all that knowledge and then I would come back and I would share it with my staff in, in different meetings and say, this is what I learned from this person and, you know, here's 10 things, and can we implement it? Is there any pieces of wisdom here we might implement into our company and make ourselves better? And so they said, why not take that and put them on the air? Instead of having that person that you cornered at the show, why don't you bring them on and let everyone hear it and have it be, you know, more of a, a conversation uh, where we could allow our clients and those people who we service, uh, HR and CEOs, entrepreneurs, tend to be our people we talk to the most allow them to have this thing, this place in time where they can share it, and then other people can come back and hear it and go listen to all the past episodes. And it, it was, suddenly went from the worst idea to the best idea in 10 minutes. So it was, that's just how we got into it. I'm so glad I asked that question, Chris, because our answers are pretty darn close. That's the same thing that kind of happened for me. I The idea of I am one of those people that hole up some poor person at a party or at a conference and interview the heck out of them, right, to extract as much as I can and learn from them and be inspired by them. And it was the same thing. I thought, why aren't I sharing this? I mean, obviously, the work I'm doing with my research will be shared in book format, but um, I thought the exact same thing. How amazing is that? Yeah. It's a, it's a small world, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no wonder. No wonder we, we we found each other out there in the in the wide you know open world of of the internet. No wonder. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, I'd love to hear maybe a couple of those things you've dangled it out there for us, Chris. I mean, maybe can you share a couple of things that you've learned from some of your interviews that you think might be interesting to our listeners? Well, you know, I would say more recently, some of the topics that people have been concerned about or really talking about is really this uh, ever-changing dynamic of the millennials into the workforce. And part of that is what the millennials bring and they don't bring to the table. Part of that is a gap in um, the, I guess, Gen Y. There's not as many people as there are in Gen X and... um, Millennials, so we're going to have this gap in leadership coming up where there's not enough 
senior people to fill the spots, and a lot of these millennials are going to get pushed into those positions sooner than they should be. And will they be ready? And how will they handle this? Um, right now, there are companies who, when they bring on millennial groups into their workforce, one of the most successful things they can do to keep them and to help them be successful is to send them to a conflict resolution class because they have had no experience in having to deal with a conflict directly with someone face-to-face. All they've done is on text and social media and things like that. And if it's not their best friend or a family member, if it's a, a coworker, they don't have those skills that they need to deal with that. And so they'll get into these conflicts and they'll just quit their job and go somewhere else. And that's not good for the company. Uh, I heard another company say they had to send people to training on how to use a telephone, like an actual desk telephone, right? Because <laughs> they had only ever, their people had only ever used cell phones. They didn't know how to transfer calls and deal, you know, just be stuff you would never think of, right? And then on the opposite end of that, pers- of that uh, spectrum, and I had a gentleman on my show last uh, yesterday talking about so- all these different soft skills because we expect people to come now already pre, kind of pre, with a prepackaged that they know how to use Office, they know how to use a computer, they know how to do all these technical things, right? But you know, all these other soft skills, do they know how to, to do? And um, it's getting harder for companies to have those people showing up with the skills that they need off the bat, off, right, right, right at the very beginning. And so they're having to take people with potential and do more training and more investment in their frontline early stage people than they had to ever in the past. Um, and, and they're hoping that that will lead to some long-term leadership development and succession planning, um, you know, uh, benefits to them, but they won't know for maybe 5, 10 15 years until they get to that point. But they're already seeing holes and problems, and that's a pretty big issue. Um, The the second thing that we're we're seeing a lot of conversation about is, and we don't know what's going to happen yet, is some of those changes with California have got um, uh, changes in in how you deal with uh, these contract employees, right? So. Mm. Or contract workers, are they really employees or not? And I'm sure people are dealing with that. So that's been a lot of, a lot of kind of a hubbub about those types of things. Um, but, the, the, again, the, those people who are doing it right or getting it right, who we're looking to as leaders in this field, they are mentoring, they are uh, actively leading the way through positive leadership and um, really being forward-thinking and trying to be, you know, do those things that they need to do for their company before they need them, instead of running around with their hair on fire and, and trying to do things to solve the problems they have now. They're really looking forward to those problems that they, they think they're going to have in the future. Mm-hmm. How interesting. That whole, going back to what you said about the, the conflict resolution help, that's fascinating. I, I teach a, a course at Southern Methodist University about professional seminar, which is really helping seniors get ready for that first job and be successful in it. And boy, you are right, Chris. They are, they are terrified of the idea of conflict. That's really uncomfortable for them. And I think that's mm-hmm. a really great point that you mentioned about, wow, if I, if I encounter that, then I'm out of here, <laughs> versus right. equipping them to handle that. I think that's just a brilliant piece of, of awareness that I have, hasn't really been on my radar yet. So you know, awesome my stuff. Wife, my, my wife's been a teacher for, I don't know, a lot of years, but she's, uh, and, and, and the whole time she's been teaching, I mean, the message I always see is we all get along, we all share, you know, we all are in this together, and it's a great message, right, until you show up for the first day of work and somebody takes your lunch. <laughs> out of the <laughs> right, and doesn't give it right? back. And doesn't give it back, and you say, well, how am I going to deal with this? I mean, I, in school we all got along, and there was a teacher there to make sure that they did what they were supposed to do, and now you have someone who's disgruntled as a problem child or whatever, and it's not being managed. And how do you deal with these conflicts? So, yeah, it's, it's real-world situational stuff that, you know, and, and, and millennials themselves, based on a lot of the studies, are saying, I want to work somewhere that I love the work and I love what they're all about and I don't care as much about the money. 
and which is a huge shift because if someone told me I'm going to send you to a crappy job for a company that's not very good and you're going to hate your work, you know, right when I graduated from college, but I'm going to pay you 100K, I would say, sign me up. I was there, right? I, I was more interested in the money coming out of college that I would, you know, I could have what I needed. I could get a house. I could, you know, I was willing to sacrifice all this other stuff to have the other things I wanted. And millennials, it's, they're, not, they're not willing to sacrifice those things. Mm-hmm. I've seen that too. Uh, well, we're coming to a close here, Chris. We've, we're just down to a couple more minutes here, and I always like to give my guests the, the, the last bit of, you know, if you will, the mic for any thoughts they really want to share with our listeners. So in maybe, say, 60 seconds or so, can you just give us your final thoughts, anything you really want to impart to our listeners? Well, you know, we might just a couple of things we talked about. Um, you probably aren't doing enough to feed your culture. So if you're an HR exec, you know, find a couple things, talk to your the CEO or the board or the whoever is that the right person or group to start focusing on that because if you want to make changes, if you want to have better engagement, you're going to have to have that buy-in, uh, identify what those things are, get the buy-in from leadership and help them help you make that really permeate throughout the organization. Um, and it will have a direct impact on so many other areas within the company. Um, we mentioned a few of them. I mean, just uh, Retention of talent, uh, finding new talent, referrals into their customer satisfaction. Um, you know, we have been fortunate to have been named one of the best places to work by several different organizations uh, locally, the Orange County Business Journal, the Orange County Register. Um, for for you know, three years now, I think, in a row we've had on, on those, in those groups. And as, as not a coincidence, our customer satisfaction ratings have been right on par. As, as we have been better, as our employees have said, we really love working here. Our clients are saying more, we really love working with you. And so um, you can take a page out of Richard Branson's book of, you know, your, your, your first client is your customer. And, I mean, excuse me, your first client is your employee. And if your employees are happy, they will make your customers happy. Awesome, Chris. I'm going to have to stop you there so we don't run out of time. I'm so sorry. But fantastic way to finish. I really want to thank you for taking time out of your crazy busy schedule to be on the show. So thank you for that. My pleasure. I want to make sure that the listeners understand how to learn more about you if they care to. So if you want to go and learn more about his background check company, go to www.peopleg2.com. You want to learn about his radio show, go to talenttalkradio.com. Very impressive businessman you are, Chris. I knew you'd share a lot of information, and you did. Very stimulating and insightful. Looking forward to next week. Remember that work is at least one-third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.